0: Um, but I remember always hearing, you can't have your cake and eating it too. I mean, I probably heard that like once a day because I didn't understand why I couldn't make a lot of money and be a mom, right? It, it was always like I had to choose between the two. Um, and so my journals really became great because they never told me no. They never told me that I needed to choose. I um, mean, even to this day, I keep one with me, literally in my purse because it's validation that The desires that I have, those big dreams that I think are just out of this world, they're doable.
1: It's time to create a life that's better than your dreams with the I Heart My Life Show. I'm Emily Williams, the founder of I Heart My Life and your I Heart My Life Show host. This is your one-stop shop for all things personal development meets lifestyle. So pull up a seat, get out a pen and a paper, and get ready to learn. Welcome to the I Heart My Life show, Amber. Thank you for being here. I know we're going to have a really open and honest conversation about you and the work that you do and your backstory. So welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having
0: me. I'm so excited.
1: So let's take it back. I always like to talk about the story behind the success. And I have the privilege of working with you privately. You're one of my incredible rock star clients So I know a lot about your story at this point, and you've heard me say on many of our coaching sessions, oh my gosh, this needs to be a book. You need to speak on stage. You need to share this message. And so I'm thrilled that you're here finally sharing this message and sharing your journey because it is truly so, so powerful. So let's take the listeners back to a little bit about your childhood. In particular, I'd love for you to share that period of time between, you know, being born and, and four years old and what that was like for you.
0: Yes, absolutely. And I just thank you for this platform. I call this season of my life finding my voice. And that is pivotal for me because um as you know, I did not grow up in the best circumstances. so I did I wasn't born in the best circumstances, let me say that. Um and I actually um was severely abused earlier on in my childhood which caused me to have a speech delay until I was about four um, my parents wanted to put me in speech I just was not speaking I would communicate but I would never speak I would point and you know things like that but I would I would never speak until I was about four and so when I started to speak I was speaking sentences and I remember my um, aunt she tells me she says amber. We knew then something was inside of you. You know, you just have this message you needed to get out into the world, she said, because even though you didn't speak until you were four, when you did begin speaking, you were speaking full-fledged sentences. And, you know, you were like telling us and recounting, you know, things that we didn't know. You knew. So um, from there, I just began to just question everything, question the world around me. Um, And I just remember just having this childlike curiosity that um i'm sure we'll get to later on but has proven to be correct even as a toddler even as a a young girl um my desires, my thoughts i'm finding out through coaching with you that as i said on our coaching call a couple of weeks ago i've been right this whole time
1: Yeah. So, so beautiful. Yeah. We're definitely going to come to that because that's huge. So what do you think it was during that period of time when you did start to speak, uh, verbally speak, what was it that shifted? I'm not sure if you can remember, you know, at the age of four, did anyone tell you, was it just one day you, you know, woke up and started talking or what was that experience?
0: What was, I remember it like it was yesterday. Um, I was actually put in a very, um, bad situation for a child mean, I was seeing some things that I was not supposed to be seeing and I remember calling my grandfather Um, back then that was when we had landlines and you know I I remember my aunt she always repeated our phone number so I remember calling him and crying and saying you know my mommy's in trouble please come and I will never forget that because um, literally from that phone call he got on a plane he was living in florida at the time and he came to live with us um so at four my grandfather pretty much became my surrogate father Wow. so yeah that i, I will never forget that conversation just remembering um the terror and the fear um at four but in having the wherewithal to know okay something's wrong i need to call someone and that was the only number that i knew by heart wow and that was the first time you spoke Yes. Well, the first time I remember speaking, yes, I called my grandfather and I was crying and I was just telling him, you know, I guess he was able to decipher that something was wrong.
1: Yeah. And he came. Wow. So take us back to the period after that. So you're able to speak now, you're communicating, you have your grandfather in your corner. What was life like for you?
0: Oh, I remember that being some of my fondest memories. My grandfather, I still consider him to be my Superman. He came in at a very tumultuous time in me and my mom's life. Um, My mom had me very young, so she was busy um, just wanting to live that young life, you know? So my grandfather was the one who gave me stability. Um, When my grandpa moved in, I finally got a bed. Most people don't know that I grew up living, well, I was raised sleeping on the floor, I didn't know children had beds. I thought that's what rich people had. So when grandpa came, um, he gave us that stability and he championed my curiosity. I remember just always asking questions and he took joy in answering them. Um, He made me feel very secure and very loved, very, very loved. Um, From there, I do remember sometimes where that wasn't always the case. You know, I didn't always feel supported, but I always knew that my grandfather um had my back. In some ways, I consider myself my grandfather's daughter um because he shaped so much of who I am today.
1: So beautiful. Yeah. And as you became, you know, as you grew up, as you became a teenager and and started to go through education and all of that, what were your dreams? What was it that you wanted to end up doing?
0: Oh, so um, I've always wanted to be a business woman. I have to find that picture. Um, But as much as I love my grandfather for giving me that security um, and just championing my curiosity, I do remember um, one time being scolded by my mom. Um, She was saying that, you know, you're asking too many questions, you know, you talk too much. And I'll never forget, Emily, she gave me a notebook and a pen. And that what I didn't know, it, that was a very pivotal moment in my life as well, because I began to doodle and I began to write. Um, and so earlier on, my aunt still has the photo. I drew myself as a stick figure and I'm holding like this box, which now I know it was a briefcase. And um, in the sky, I drew a plane and I drew what I wrote. I want to be a businesswoman. Of course, it was spelled horribly, but even then at, say, maybe five or six, I knew that I wanted to be a businesswoman. I wanted to be um, just one that really moved the needle Um, and not just what I'm learning now through coaching with you, not just in business, but also in life. You know, um, from there, I've also wanted to be a writer because writing was just kind of thrust upon me. and funny enough, I really wanted to be a meteorologist at one point. <laughs> it. I wanted so badly to be on the news and telling people what to wear for the day, <laughs> um, <laughs> helping them prepare. Um, so, yeah, it's funny because in some ways my life has kind of has kind
1: of shaped out to be that way. Yeah. Outside of the meteorologist. Right. Right. Maybe you tell your kids what to wear. Right. So one of the pieces I want to pull out from there is this idea of, you know, the journal. And in one of our sessions together, we were talking about or you just mentioned, you know, you always have a journal. And one of the reasons why that you've come to realize is because it never could basically talk back. It could never say that you were wrong or that you couldn't do it or put doubts in your mind with mm-hmm. that journal, you know, you were always right. You were always validated. Your thoughts were true. Can you talk more about that and how important that was for you growing up and obviously today as well? Absolutely. So,
0: I grew up hearing um because I was such an inquisitive child. I kept um I grew up hearing no. No was literally almost like second nature for my mom, for the for the people around me outside of my grandfather. Um but I remember always hearing you can't have your cake and eating it too. I mean, I probably heard that like once a day because I didn't understand why I couldn't make a lot of money and be a mom, right? It, it was always like I had to choose between the two. Um, and so my journals really became great because they never told me no. They never told me that I needed to choose. I um, mean, even to this day, I keep one with me, literally in my purse, because it's validation that... The desires that i have those big dreams that i think are just out of this world they're doable you know that's literally my future self telling me or coming back into my present reality and saying hey i've already lived it you can do it like let let me really champion you and give you that strength because conditioning wise i was never conditioned um to believe that i could have both it was one or the other it was you were um from a money aspect, you were poor, but you were virtuous or you were rich and you were greedy. Um, And I just never understood why I couldn't be both you know, so.
1: Yeah. And you mentioned to me that, that phrase, have your cake and eat it too. You couldn't comprehend as a child. Why, why would I not be able to have this cake and also eat it? That makes absolutely no sense.
0: (laughs) Absolutely. And it's so funny because when I was a teenager, I took um, cake decorating classes because I never, I, I was just fascinated by this notion that, wait, I'm baking this cake and I'm going to eat it in reality. So why can't I do that in life? You know? So yes, absolutely. That was one of the pivotal um, cruxes that I really had to um, work through. And your coaching has totally helped me with that. Helping me take a stand for the and, as you say.
1: Yeah, that was a phrase that came to me uh, through Gina DeVee back in 2014 when I was in one of her programs, and she was big on that, you know, take a stand for the and. And it's definitely been something that's been woven into our coaching in a big way. So let's talk about that with people, because I know one of the big things for you, of course, like we talked about, is following your dreams and being able to be a mom and be successful. You have a really successful career. You're building a business. You're a mom of, you know, three kids under, what, four? the time that we're recording this. So that's a lot. So you've definitely taken a stand for the end. And Mm -hmm. one of the other components to this that I know was always at the forefront of your mind was race. Can you talk a little bit about that?
0: Yes. Oh my goodness. I love talking about this because it's truly in homage to my grandfather. So my grandfather was biracial um, and I grew up in the South. which has very strong racial undertones, um, and I just remember my grandfather never ever telling me to choose one or the other. You know, he loved Barbara Streisand and he loved you know traditional R and B music, um, but I do remember there being undertones around which one was better, right? Which one was right, so to speak, and so that created a dichotomy within me because. I didn't know which one to choose, right? I I always felt like I was never fully black, but I wasn't white either, you know? And so in so many points in my life, I've realized that I had to take a stand for one or the other. And w- whenever I did, I never felt totally aligned, right? Um, I remember mentioning in one of our coaching calls that for me, um, and this is my truth, I do remember, very heavy racial undertones in terms of being a victim because I was Black. You know, I was constantly reminded that, hey, you're a Black woman and, you know, we don't do this or we don't have this because we're Black. And I'll never forget one day, um, I was probably six or seven, my grandfather sat me down because I asked him, I said, you know, Grandpa, they're saying this, but I don't understand why. Again, right? Just my curiosity. And he said, Amber, the way I see it, you can do one of two things. You can see being black as your Achilles heel and go through your life as a victim, or you can see it as your superpower. He said, and whichever one you choose today, it's going to shape the rest of your life. And I'll never forget that. I still have that um, notebook, oddly enough, of that day. That was back in 2000, right at 2000. So I was probably 10 at that point. And I remember saying, I don't have to choose. And of course it helped to have um, the artist, Michael Jackson, he had black or white. And that literally, Emily became my anthem. I would sing that all the time. I would dance um, to it because it was like, it doesn't matter, you know? Um, Even though my family wanted me to choose one or the other, I had cousins who constantly, and to this day, some of them still call me white girl um, or a valley girl. Some of them don't really have a relationship with me because I've taken a stand for the and. Um, and I've had to become okay with not fitting into a box, not fitting into a mold, not being a monolith, but really just being myself.
1: Mm. And why mm-hmm. do you think it's so important? And it's not just your family, you know, we see this in in other examples. Why do you think it's so important for people to have you pick one or the other?
0: I think it's important for them because it gives them a way out. If I live my life thinking that I'm a victim, it's easy for me to categorize anything bad in my life being because I am that victim, right? Mm-hmm. It takes away some of the personal responsibility and then it always gives me a big bad monster that whether I can quantify it or not, it's always that thing that I can blame it on. And no one will question me for it because of course it it's there, it must be real.
1: And how have you wrestled with that? The, the fact that, you know, some of your family, you don't have a relationship with them because you're not black enough. Uh, you're not, you know, what they expect you to be. How have you been able to handle that?
0: You know, it, if I'm being completely honest, it has been a journey. I mean, it still is a journey. Um, now that I am a mom, it's definitely, it hurts because I do have some family that they've don't have a relationship with me, so by nature they don't have a relationship with my children. Um, but it's been an act of resilience. and it kind of goes back to my journals, always being my besties, you know. Um, I've been able to have some kind, some candid conversations, but it rears its ugly head sometimes because I am successful. Um, so for a lot of my family, they don't understand like how I've been able to do it or it must be because she acts like this or because she talks like this. Right. And it's it's been an uphill battle. I will say I do have some aunts who are finally realizing, OK, it's the way that Amber sees the world that has really given her credence to have the success that she has. It's the steps that she's taken. Um, But it definitely has been an uphill battle, and I still have a lot of ways to go. I would say more so with my, not my millennial cousins, um, but the younger generation, because they grew up in such a more polarized time. It's really hard for me to cut through that noise and let them see that, hey, it doesn't matter how you look, like it matters who you are. You know, success is an inside job. So we're still working on that.
1: Yeah. Thank you for your transparency. Mm -hmm. And although you mentioned, you know, we've covered a lot of this during our coaching sessions, I said to you previously that you have an innate positive mindset. And that's putting it lightly. Like the way you see the world as you describe it, it's very unique and it's very. Mm abundant. And it feels to me that that's your natural way of being. Because I have some clients that come in and and it is, it's tough to get to that place. And it's not the mindset that they, maybe they were taught it when they were growing up, but it's not their natural way of thinking at this point. But I feel like for you, there is a natural element of abundance to the way that you think and the way that you see the world. And there's also a naturalness to, like you said, your curiosity, but also your relentlessness and refusal to take no for an answer. So I'm curious to know, where does that come from?
0: Ooh, how heavy can we get, Emily? <laughs> we can go there. Oh, no, that comes from in the womb. Um, So my mother and father were together as teenagers and my mother was, you know, pregnant, but she, her menstrual cycles were not, um, were not regular so by the time um, she found out that she was pregnant with me she was six months pregnant she said you know amber i had no idea like you know i wasn't looking for my cycle because it was so um because it was so infrequent um and she said and amber my first immediate immediate thought was to have an abortion she actually went to the clinic um, to terminate the pregnancy but she was too far along um, and so because of that, she couldn't, you know, and she didn't put me up for adoption. She had a great tribe. Um, but I think that resiliency comes from innately kind of knowing that I, I I wasn't really wanted. And so feeling like I needed to prove myself and in every turn of my life, you know, I'm realizing that I, I won't say I was a mistake, but I was definitely not planned. Right. And so because of that, um, and just being, you know, very very cognizant of the fact that some women are not, you know, and and I get that, but being being the product of it, I have a very different, you know, um, way of seeing it. And I think that's really what has birthed this natural resiliency, because I see myself as being a survivor. You know, I think every single day that there was a chance where I couldn't be or or I wouldn't be here, you know? And so because I see my life through that lens, it gives me almost a burden to make my life mean something. Um, And even as a child, because I was innately aware that I was not wanted, it created in me a longing to be accepted, Um, a craving, almost an obsession Um, to make people feel better, to make people feel my love and my warmth, almost to just prove that I deserve to exist, you know? And so because I've lived my life in that way, I think I've naturally just built this. It's not that bad, Mm -hmm. you know? We can always figure it out. We can always um, champion a solution. But I think that's where it comes from, just understanding that I didn't have to be here. And since I am here, I have to make my life mean something.
1: Oh, that's so amazing. And, and thank you for being so vulnerable with that. That always pulls at my heartstrings thinking about obviously, you know, you knowing as a child that initially you weren't planned or wanted, you know, I can't imagine growing up knowing that and coming out on the other side as strong as you are. And at the same time, I know you've done a lot of work around this, especially with having your own daughter. What did you do to process that to prepare yourself for motherhood of your daughter?
0: Yeah, so it's so, I'm loving this question, Emily, because when I had my sons, I, had, I have three, my daughter is my third. Um, when I had my sons, it didn't rear, um, so it didn't come up for me as much, but when I found that I was pregnant with my daughter, it definitely, definitely sent me down a spiral. So um, I got some therapy and journaling became my best friend as well. Um, and I really found that talking about it, um, because up until when I was became pregnant with my daughter, no one really understood how I was really suffering in silence. You know, my journals knew, but they they would never tell anyone. Um, and so what I really had to do was come face to face with those demons, so to speak, um, of not feeling love, not feeling wanted. Um, because what I realized I was doing in more ways than not, anyone who did love me, I saw that as they did it only because they had to. Right? They did it out of obligation. I mean, even with my children, I, I was thinking, well, you have to love me. I'm your mom, you know? So, really doing the inner work of, sorry, Emily, um, doing the inner work to see that I was worthy of love um, and not out of obligation, but out of pureness of who I was um, as a woman, as a being, as a human, that I was worthy of love. I was worthy of, kindness. um, Because growing up, I just never felt worthy enough of that. Mm.
1: Yeah, that's a lot. It's a lot. It's so interesting what babies bring up for us um, and the opportunities that they bring for us to heal and to step into our true self. And I know one of the things that you've uncovered recently is that you were right all along about so much And it's really interesting because so many of the conversations I'm having lately are about returning to who you really are and your true self and Mm -hmm. tapping into that inner child who had such a knowing and such a curiosity and such a vibrancy that a lot Mm -hmm. of us lose as adults. So what are the things that you knew all along that you were right about? Oh,
0: my goodness. I've been right all along that you can be a mom, and you can make a lot of money. Um, I've been right along. You know, Emily, something that I never talk about um, was my longing to be a mom of three, specifically two boys and a girl at the end. So my mom had three. She had two girls and the boy at the end, um, and I wanted to do the opposite of her. And so when I was in high school, I was thinking, okay, I'm going to be a wife. I'm going to be mom. I'm going to make a lot of money. I'm going to help a lot of people. Um, And when I was 25, I go in for a routine checkup and I was um, diagnosed with PCOS, um, polycystic ovarian syndrome. um, And I also had endometriosis. And so um, there, my doctor, I'll never forget, she told me, she said, Amber, you know, you will struggle to conceive. um, And then if you conceive, because you have a very sensitive cervix, you're going to go into labor prematurely. And, you know, and I totally understood where she was coming from. She wanted to level set. And I remember thinking, I think this was just my resiliency saying, that's okay. I'm still going to be a mom of three. And um, today I'm a mom of three, two boys and my girl at the end, the exact way that I wanted it, you know? So I truly manifested that outside of even medical odds. I remember um, getting pregnant with my first son and being high risk, right? They were thinking that I wouldn't be able to carry him to term um, and I've carried all three of my babies to term. Wow. So even that is amazing to me when I sit back and think of my story of being right all along, you know? Um, another area I would say where I've been right all along is that um, my my dreams, my desires um, and speaking, you know, I love to speak now, which is Very funny because I didn't speak for the first four years of my life. And my first time speaking was, you know, for something not so great. Um, But I've literally been able to coach um, really young women in college. I'm sorry, that's what I do in my nine to five. I coach them into jobs and careers and technology. Um, But I've been able to to do that, you know? And I'm thinking to myself, this should not be my life at all. Um, I remember moving to Virginia when you know, I was born and raised in South Carolina, and this was another thing, it was almost like this is just what you do you get a job at the call center, and I'm not speaking bad about anyone else. Um, but I followed my, my family's path, and I just remember thinking, This is not for me. You know, I um, had my degree, I got the call center job like everyone else, and I remember thinking, This is an ed, and so I set my sights on somewhere outside of the state because I knew I needed to be almost away from my conditioning, from my circle. And this is why I resonate so much with your move to London. It's like, you just knew that there was something more for you. Right. And I remember going to um, London. I remember going to Virginia. I moved to Virginia. Um, And then no one supported me other than my grandfather. My grandfather was the only one that said, you can do it. And because I took a stand for the and that really allowed me to create a career for myself outside of the call center, you know, a professional career. Um, And I I just look back at so many parts of my life, so many journal entries where I've been right all along, you know, that you get to have your cake and eat it too. Today, I'm a wife, I'm a mom, I'm a professional woman with a great career, and I'm building an amazing um, brand, an amazing company.
1: Oh, full body goosebumps. So good. So I'm sure everyone listening is like, yeah, this woman needs to write a book. (laughs) So let's talk about that, that last piece, because you and I have a lot of conversations about the dichotomy between uh, corporate life and starting a business and how can you do both. And oftentimes when you do have something stable and it's lucrative and you're doing really well, it's like that business and that dream, it becomes optional. Whereas those of us, like myself, who've never been in that space, I've always been an entrepreneur, it's like, we got to make this work because there's no fallback plan. And so there's that level of motivation that might be a little bit different compared to what you've experienced. So can you talk about that for anyone listening? Because I know there are a lot of people who want to start something but haven't yet. And they might be in a similar position where they don't actually have to, um, but they feel something calling them.
0: Yes, absolutely. That's a great question. Because for the longest, um, I felt like I've been stuck between my job and my dream, right? And to your point, because the job is so stable, it almost makes the dream optional. And so what you've really been helping me with is really connecting with the why, right? What is the why greater than the money, greater than the stability? What is it? And for me, it's the freedom and it's the fulfillment. Because I've just learned that no career is going to fulfill me quite like my calling and you know my purpose which is like coaching young women into their next level and i think that's really what has helped me really stay grounded in the mission is that fulfillment aspect of it um i think so often particularly women with careers we're looking for that dream job right we're looking for how who do we connect with what organization do we partner with um who do we connect with on LinkedIn, things like that. And really coaching with you has helped me realize that you don't really land a dream job, you kind of create it, right? And so that's what I'm in the stages of doing is creating um, that thing that really marries the financial aspect of it and also that fulfillment, that purpose, that alignment as well.
1: And it's so interesting to think about you, you know, just starting this brand because I don't see that because you've essentially been doing this work inside of your job for many years and you've been doing this work personally for many years. And so I think that's what a lot of people also think. They think, well, I'm going to be starting over. I'm starting at the, the, you know, the beginning. And I don't think that's true because you're taking everything from the past decade and bringing it into the work that you're doing. And you've mentioned to me many times that there have been people within your role who were like, Amber, you need to be do, do more speaking. You need to be more like, you need to coach. You need to start this brand and everyone can see it. And, you know, it just, it just takes, um, like you said, connecting to that why and connecting to that deeper meaning, especially for people where the financial gain is not necessarily, you know, the, the most important piece of the puzzle, whereas it is when people are, you know, that they don't have any sort of fallback plan, like I was saying. Um, so that connection is so, so important. But I just want to speak to that because there's so many people who think that they are like a complete newbie, but that's normally not the case at all.
0: Absolutely not. And sometimes I do think, as you said, it takes other people's really championing our brilliance because we're so close to it. I often say it's hard to see the picture when you're inside of the frame, right? So because we're doing it every day, day in and day out, we don't see the brilliance in what we're doing. And to your point, I've been coaching um, college seniors for years on how to land you know, their roles in cybersecurity and technology. I've been a project manager. And so for the longest, I thought, Even in building my brand, I thought that I had to do something completely outside of what I was doing in my nine to five. Um, I've tried health coaching. I've tried relationship coaching. um, And none of those really panned out. And now that I'm really focusing on what I'm doing in my nine to five, does it come easy to me? Um, Because I don't feel like I constantly have to code switch, right? I'm not choosing between professional Amber and coaching Amber. I'm doing what I'm naturally doing in my nine to five, just for me, you know, just for my brand. And so I would definitely just encourage anyone who is in corporate and who really has that longing of doing that something big. I always say that what you're getting paid for in your nine to five, you're already good at someone's already paying you, you know, 50k or more um, a year to do that job. Why not just stop there? you know, just start. Yeah. You know, and I know that Les Brown says it's the start that stops most people. Mm-hmm. And for me that has been something that has really gotten in my way, just that imposter syndrome. Um even fear around my coworkers finding me out, you know? And because of those things I kept myself stuck. I kept myself limited into this box. Um but now that I've gotten started, it feels so aligned. Um creating content, promoting All of it feels true to me because I think now that I am really building a brand around myself, right? It's so much easier to do something that you're already doing, but for yourself, Um, and that's what I would absolutely say for anyone in corporate who's looking to kind of step outside of the corporate niche, just start with where you are and build something around that.
1: And I know you said to me the other day, you tell your clients to be the content. And I thought that was so brilliant because again, that's another stumbling block for people. Well, how do I create content? How am I going to be constantly creative? Uh, you know, all the question marks around marketing. So can you talk a little bit about that?
0: Yeah, absolutely. You know, um, I came into coaching thinking that there was one way to do it. And so I've Most um, of the women in my niche, they didn't have lives like me. So I felt like I couldn't be completely myself. But now that I'm sharing the fact that I'm a mom and I work nine to five, sometimes I post Instagram stories, literally working in my office, you know, and it connects because most people, you know, that, well, the people that I'm called to connect with. It's their reality as well, so it's not more so thinking about the content. It's filming myself when I'm in dance class and then putting text around, you know, around that, and it's really helped me see that you don't really. I'm not choosing a niche anymore. Like I am the niche, right? Um, some people will be connected to me because they're corporate. Some people will be connected because they love dance or because they're moms, um, and so just really bringing my full self to my brand it makes content really effortless because I'm no longer thinking about it. I'm just being it.
1: Yeah. And you, you always come across to me as somebody who is, um, so confident and so sure of herself. Tell me, is that, have you always been like that or is that something that's been generated? And if so, for those listening who need to get some confidence, how did you do that?
0: Yeah. So it's definitely been generated and thank you so much for that great compliment. Um, I would say for me, it's always been a mind over matter type of thing. Um, In more ways than one, I've realized that wherever my mind goes, my energy kind of flows. So every morning, actually, there's an exercise that I do where I kind of almost have a pep rally with myself. And I tell myself that you know I can get my to-do list done, that I can have great meetings, I can have great client calls. And so I'm really telling myself that before any anything has the opportunity to tell me otherwise, I'm telling myself that I am great, I'm magnificent, almost doing my affirmations, right? And then from there, it's almost like my days become self-fulfilling prophecies because I'm just naturally going to move in that direction of success. I'm naturally going to move in that direction of confidence. And so that's what I would recommend any and everyone to do is to hype yourself up. You know, I think sometimes we don't do that enough. We don't take in our own brilliance and really congratulate ourselves for everything that we're doing on the day to day basis. And so me doing that has really, really been monumental for me. I show up differently for my husband, my children, my team at work and even my clients. Mm
1: -hmm. Um, So, yeah. Thank you. So I'd love for you to share a little bit about well let me back on me let me paint the picture a little bit. So a few months ago I reached out to you saying I had a, a few spots available for private coaching and your response was so amazing. You said that you would put me on your vision board and our work together on your vision board. I think it was last November or something mm-hmm. and you were so excited about this opportunity. So first, can you tell people a little bit about that? Like what was it that made you put you put this on your vision board. Is that a practice that you often do? Do you see that working in your life? I'd love for you to share that.
0: Yeah. So I have to go back to 2019. Um I was nursing my son and your ad found me for iHeart Coaching. So I'm not new to the Emily Williams brand. Um, but I will never forget finding your ad or your ad finding me as I say um and thinking, oh my goodness she gets me and that was the first time ever that i've connected with someone so genuinely Um, from your branding down to your copy everything about the emily williams and the iheart coaching brand was just everything to me right so i, I went through iheart coaching which was such an amazing experience and so i since then i've just really followed your journey and it was i still have it in my phone it was november 22nd 2022 Talk about angel numbers, right? Mm -hmm. And So I have an Apple notes in my phone and it just says a list of my desires. So what I typically do at the end of the year before I do my vision boards, I list out my desire and then from there I will create my vision board literally. So um, it would have been so for you, it would have literally been a picture of you on my vision board. Um, And I literally wrote down, I really want to be coached by Emily and I want to meet her in 2023, which for me, that was big because you were pregnant, you were expecting, and I didn't know what your coaching practice was going to look like after you had the baby. Um, So for me, it was just like, okay, I'm just going to put it on there because that's truly my desire. And so when you reached out to me, I literally wanted to just cry because it was really like the universe proving that I've been right this whole time. Right. It goes back to that, that my desires are valid and not only valid, that they can truly come into fruition. You know, it was that synchronicity, um, as people say, and I had never really experienced it um, as I had in that moment when you messaged me.
1: Yeah, so good. And the reason I wanted you to share that, obviously, people love to hear about your experience and our work together, and we can talk more about that in a second. But I want people to understand like how possible this really is and how easy it is to bring what you want to create into your life. Amber literally wrote down her list of her desires super easy, super fun. (laughs) A lot of people avoid that because they're worried about being disappointed. You know, what am I going to do if this doesn't actually happen? Then putting together a visual to focus on like a vision board or something like that, or a Pinterest board and continuing to hold the faith and believe, even if it seems crazy because the person you want to work with or whatever the scenario is, isn't even, you know, available at the moment but continuing to believe and put one foot in front of the other. And I'm not sure what your practice was in terms of how much you looked at that or how much you focused on it, but I actually don't think you need to be looking at it every single day. In fact, you can just develop the belief and then just kind of let it go. I know a lot of people have manifested dream houses, and then years later they're like, oh my gosh, this was the exact house on my vision board, and they kind of forgot, so to speak. But I actually Mm -hmm. think that sometimes that's healthy because when you – aren't so obsessed with it. Like there's a level of calm and assuredness that this could happen versus Mm -hmm. I need to try and force this to happen by looking at it every single day. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yes.
0: Well said. And to your point, um, for that desire to work with you, I kind of did put that off because I, again, I didn't know what your books would be looking like. So I was thinking more so um, like the last half of this year, maybe, you know, so absolutely putting it out there and just letting it come to you.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So beautiful. And then the other piece of this that I want to highlight is when you signed up with me, you said, I am I was so excited to transfer you this money, like something along those lines. And I'm sharing this yes. again because for the people listening who want to attract their dream clients, I want them to remember that there are those people out there in the world. Because I think so often we feel like we're taking money from people or we can't charge for helping people. And there's so many just negative thoughts around sales in general, especially people who are just getting into entrepreneurship. But there are those people out there who really want to work with you and who are saving up and who will be so excited to make that payment. And everyone deserves to have that experience. And it can be challenging in the beginning because you're just kind of taking whatever you can get. But I wanted to share that because I think it's so refreshing. And obviously, I I really appreciated you telling me that. It, it It was music to my ears.
0: Yes, no, it was literally so exciting for me. I remember the day like you sent over the information, I canceled my meeting and I drove to the bank, like right then and there. I was so excited. I'm like, oh my goodness, my desire. Um, And you told me that there were people who had me on their vision board, I'm, I think on one of our first yeah. um, coaching sessions. And that moment came full circle for me a few weeks ago i was speaking at an event and someone came up to me crying and she said i'm your people like please coach me and i remember like tearing up in that moment because it was like someone feels about me how i feel about emily and that was literally i'm gonna i'm gonna get choked up that was amazing because the work that you do emily in the lives of women and men every day It cannot ever be overstated, right? And so to have that type of impact on someone else that you've had on me, it was just beautiful. And it really shows the ripple effect of coaching.
1: For sure. Yeah. And there are people who right now admire you who might not have the guts to speak up or reach out this second. And I think that's also something we need to remember because so often it feels like things aren't happening and where are the clients and is is what I'm doing, does it even matter? Am I making an impact? Should I keep sharing on social media? But you never know who's putting you on your vision board literally right now. Yes. So good. And for those people who have the vision boards, remember you can fast track it. You don't need to wait six months, a year, 10 years. Like, let's really compress the timeline and getting the support that you need often does that. So, before we close off, can you share a little bit more about the results that you've experienced in our coaching container thus far? Yes.
0: Oh, my goodness. So, in a short word, life changing. Um, more than anything, more than the strategy, um, more than the amazing, um, conversations that we have, I have discovered my voice again and I'm going to going, I'm not going to cry, but because I was conditioned at such an early age that my voice didn't matter or I talked too much. You've helped me discover my voice and to not just discover it, but to stand in it. And I think that's really, really critical because some people, when we find our voice, we tend to run from it, right? It, It can be very heavy. Um, so in standing in my voice and standing in my truth i've been able to create content effortlessly um which is attracting my ideal clients um, there it's attracting the opportunities i can't tell you how many times people have reached out to me in just a few short weeks you know i have been telling you um for podcast opportunities for live speaking events i mean even professionally um, I literally have coworkers coming up to me saying, Amber, like, why don't you do this for yourself? And little do they know I am, you know? And I would say that it's been a full on life changing experience. I'm having much more thoughtful and candid conversations with my husband around the support that I need. I'm talking more openly about my dreams and my desires, which would never happen um, up until. Really our coaching, most of my desires have lived in my iPhone or in my journal. And so now I'm able to own that voice and say, hey, what are we going to do when, right? Not if, I've really started to change my language around my desires. They're no longer an if, they're a when. You know, I'm calling them into my reality now. Um, So yeah, I think in a short word, just life-changing, it's been everything
1: that I thought it would be and more. Mm. Thank you for sharing that, Amber. It's been a pleasure Mm -hmm. to work with you, for sure. Mm -hmm. So before we get to the final question, where can people find you online?
0: Yeah. So it's a bit of a mouthful, but it's Amber Black Coaching. Um, I'm on Twitter and I'm on Instagram, more active on Instagram. I'm on LinkedIn. If you are someone that's corporate, I am on LinkedIn as just Amber Black. Um, But yeah, also my website is amberblackcoaching.com. Beautiful.
1: Beautiful. So what is one way that people can create a life that's better than their dreams and far exceeds their expectations? That's
0: such a great question. I would say one way would be to completely own who you are. I think that more often than not, we're conditioned to be a monolith and to conform. Um, But the brilliance is you taking up all of the space, in um, being much too much, as my grandfather would say. He'd say, you know, you're much too much. And so owning that you get to be all of the things, right? You get to really have it all. And I think that really comes from you making the decision to take up the space to own who you are and to truly pursue everything that you desire. Um, One thing that you've helped me realize is that my desires aren't so far away. Um, I think in a coaching call, I said, you know, I've been thinking that my, I'm in North Carolina and I've been thinking that my desires were in California, like they were so far out, right? And you've helped me realize that, no, they're almost in like Virginia, you know? So just really calling them in, but it all starts with that decision to really pursue it and make it a non-negotiable.
1: Thank you so much. Amazing. Well, I feel honored to know you and to be able to connect with you weekly and be a part of your mission. Thank you for sharing so vulnerably here with all of us and for connecting and, um, just for being an example of what's possible. So excited for what's to come.
0: Thank you. Thank you for everything, Emily.
1: I love working with driven women to help them reach their next level of success and to become more of who they were designed and destined to be. So if you are looking for support in my private coaching practice, in business, life, with your money, your mindset, your health, your relationships, all of the above, go to emilywilliams.com services to learn more and book a complimentary call with me to see what program might be the right fit. I'd love to work with you.